Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Project Brief. Today we're going to be looking at Milky Way at uh, Milky Way at Home, and uh, I have w uh, I am Delta, and I have with me my <laughs> co-host Jay Ringo. Jay Ringo, how much do you like Milky Way bars? I am a fan. They're not my favorite. Snickers wins. I'm sorry, Milky Way, but they're pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great because today we're not talking about Milky Way bars. We're talking about our Milky Way galaxy. <laughs> so I'm here to disappoint <laughs> Milky Way you all. At home, come on. Um, as usual, the Project Brief is a little episode uh, just before the Boink Radio where I talk about some Boink projects and uh, I talk about them in really simple terms. Uh, I talk about the science in really simple terms, uh, ways that everyone can understand and so that you can know how you can start crunching these sorts of scientific projects and figure out what you might be interested in. Uh, as always, leave uh, questions to the end so we can have a little bit of a discussion about the project. And let's get started. So Milky Way at Home is a Boink project that's run by the, geez, I'm going to butcher this one, uh, Rensselia, Ren, Rensselia uh, Polytechnic in Institute. All right, And they have all their physics departments, computer science departments, and uh, engineering departments all collaborating on Milky Way at Home. So uh, for those of you that don't know, we live in a galaxy. Yep. And it's called the Milky Way Galaxy. Uh, and it's basically a big collection of planets and dust and suns and and all sorts of weird galactic phenomena. All right, and in the center there's a big, big black hole. And as Milky Way states, we think that there is also dark matter in our galaxy. And we want to know a lot more about our galaxy so that we can maybe uncover um, the properties of dark matter and just generally know more about what's out there in our galaxy. You'd think that we're out here floating around really lonely. Like we only just have our solar system and then we got to travel like a good couple of light years to get somewhere. But no, we're, we're actually pretty populous. We have lots of neighbors and we have lots and lots of stars and everything out there to keep us company. And so we put our telescopes up into the sky and we track exactly where everything is. We listen to the radio signals. We look at our look at the gamma ray bursts. And yeah, we're, we've got some lovely data that we can collect from our skies. And that's uh, one of the things that Milky Way at Home does. And uh, yeah, we're just tracking the sky. So yeah, Milky Way at Home wants to understand our galaxy more. So what it does is it's collaborated with what's called the Sloan Digital Sky Survey. And basically the Digital Sky Survey is a public repository of data of both visual and radio and other uh, spectroscopy imagery. And uh, you can go online and, and actually look at all this data if you want to. And this data is exactly what Milky Way at Home uses and crunches so that it can figure out more about our galaxy. Now, the key thing that it's been tracking is what's called dwarf galaxies. So yes, our galaxy has galaxies within it. Yeah, it's not exactly within it, but there are other smaller galaxies that sort of orbit our own galaxy and they sort of get ripped apart by our galaxy's gravitational pull. So um, it's pretty <laughs> intense, but um, it's, it's what happens. And the, by tracking these dwarf galaxies and how they orbit and how they move and how they're affected by the gravity of the Milky Way is actually really interesting. And it, that gravitational data can actually help a lot with figuring out the properties of dark matter. So um, when a dwarf galaxy gets ripped apart by our Milky Way, it produces what's called tidal streams. And um, these tidal streams are sort of like rivers of like the suns and the stars and the planets that were contained within that galaxy. And so it produces some really cool gravitational pull patterns and stuff like that. I'll post an image in the chat and I'll, I'll show you guys. And you can also see this image on my um, 
project brief uh, post, which will be in the description of this episode. So from the little animation that I put in the post and also in the chat right now, um, it shows a dwarf galaxy being ripped apart by the Milky Way and producing what's called the stream. And so we have this like sort of loopy loop of, um, of planets and stars and asteroids and dust. And uh, the, the way that it actually gets uh, manipulated by the gravity of the Milky Way is interesting, and that's exactly what this project studies. So uh, it does, it, when you crunch this project, your computer will do two things. It'll either run a spectral model or it'll run an n-body model. Now, the spectral model uh, uses the spectral data, so the radio waves, the light waves, and other types of uh, spectroscopy from the digital sky survey. Uh, to look at the dwarf galaxies and to produce a model of how the dwarf galaxy is moving in order to produce that data. So if you can simulate the gravity of a dwarf galaxy interacting with the Milky Way and match it to the data that's in the digital sky survey, then your computer has created a really good model that can predict the projection of a dwarf galaxy or a tidal stream. Now, um, another thing that they do is n-body simulations. And so it's basically one big gravity simulator. And so um, the animation that I just posted is exactly what that is. It's an n-body simulation. And so basically it works by calculating gravity on an individual basis between individual objects. So if you have three objects, you'll calculate, uh, actually we'll start with two. If you have two objects, you'll calculate the gravity uh, pulling on the first object from the second, and then you calculate the gravity of the second object pulling from the first. Uh, and then upscale that to three, you'll have the first object calculating the gravity, uh, the pull of gravity from the second and third object. Then you'll have the uh, second object calculating the pull of gravity from the first and third object. And then you'll have the third object calculating the pull of gravity from the first and second object. Upscale it to this, where you have hundreds and thousands of objects. And yeah, you're going to need a lot of computing power for that. You're not going to be able to do that in your head, nor on a on a regular computer, really. You're going to need a supercomputer for that. And that's why we have Boink. With these n-body models, you can split them up into tasks, and they can be handed out to um, a variety of different computers. So this is a great application for Boink. And this is, um, I mean, it could still be run on a supercomputer, but this is great because we get to do it as volunteers. And you could be the one to make that n-body model that, predicts dark matter. So the point of all these all these n-body models is to figure out and predict the tidal streams of these dwarf galaxies. And maybe this, the data or the models that your computer produces can actually get a good model for how these streams work and actually show properties of dark matter within the Milky Way galaxy. And with that, scientists can do some more research on it and maybe make a new model for dark matter because it's something that we really don't know. Um, it's to explain what dark matter is really it's um, it's some weird gravitational pull within our galaxy that seems to pull things in so what scientists have seen is that we, we know that there's dust in our galaxy we know that there's stars we know that there's black holes we know that there's uh, planets we know that there's asteroids and that's pretty much all we know and we've calculated using our gravitational models um, and very, very accurate models also involving all of Einstein's equations and stuff like that. And we found that there's a lot more gravity in the, in the galaxy than what we once thought. And so people suppose, well, if there's more gravity, maybe there's just more matter and we just can't see that matter. That's why it's called dark matter. So dark matter doesn't emit any light, doesn't emit anything on the radio spectrum, so we can't really pick anything, any of that up. We just know it exists because there's just extra gravity, and we don't know where that gravity comes from. 
And so after explaining all that, you can see that there's really a lot we still don't know about the universe. And hopefully by crunching all of this data and making all these models for the dwarf galaxies being ripped apart by our our big Milky Way galaxy, we can probably figure out something new about dark matter or even just more stuff about the origin of our galaxy. And uh, we are still yet to shine a light on this matter. I saw that line on your project brief post. I'm so <laughs> glad you brought that in. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, so if you don't have a good computer and you um, essentially can't crunch Milky Way at home, you can always try different projects. There's a lovely site I like to advocate a lot. It's called Zooniverse.org. It's basically Boink, where you can do volunteer computing, except you do the computing in your brain. So you solve puzzles for science. And, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of things you can do. You can label... Uh, animals, you can find muons, you can even um, look for galaxies and look for uh, radio bursts and radio signals. So it pretty much has something for everyone in there. Um, and yeah, so if you don't have a good computer, go try that out. But anyway, uh, that brings us to the end of the project brief. So if anyone has any questions, I'm happy to try and answer them. It's not so much a question. I just find it fascinating that we have galaxies circling our galaxy and everything's interacting. I guess things are a little more complex than they teach you down there in elementary school. Yeah, and um, if you take a, if if you zoom out on basically like all of the galaxies in the universe, you'll find it sort of turns into like a mesh. Like it sort of looks like a mesh, and that's just the weird thing about gravity. Um, and suppose uh, this, here's a good hypothetical situation which I was told about. Imagine you have a bunch of planets all positioned in a perfect grid, right? When you say gravity, okay, start, you'd expect all the planets to come in and like collapse on each other in the center of that grid, right? Assuming it's a perfect sure. square, right? And yeah, essentially you're correct. The thing is, that's not how the universe started. The universe started where it had this big grid, except it had a little bit of an impurity in it. So maybe one of the planets were taken out, for example, in this hypothetical situation. And so you'll find that even with that one impurity, you get this really chaotic system where all sorts of weird things, uh, all sorts of weird patterns get produced. So essentially, it's just like how our universe works. And yeah, it, it is pretty fun watching these galaxies get ripped up uh, by our galaxies. But keep in mind that these events happen over, I think, hundreds of years. So <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm like it's watching, really slow. <laughs> I'm watching this loop that you posted of just the galaxy getting ripped apart. And it's like, after a little bit, you lose sort of reference. You forget that all these little dots are stars. <laughs> like that yeah. And remember, we only have about 100 years worth of data for this, right? So we don't have a lot to work off of. And it takes like thousands of years for these galaxies to actually get ripped apart. I mean, you, you heard there's, uh, we're colliding with the Andromeda galaxy, right? In like a couple billion years. <laughs> Yeah. So just the time scale that these go over is really long, and we're only working with a little bit of data. So, um, yeah, we're still yet to get some formal clarification using real data with this, but at least we're producing the models now so that we can probably figure out something in the future. Yeah, and like you said, this is a pretty straightforward project for distributed computing. It's almost a, a perfect task for it. It's great to see it happening. Yeah, because what you do is you just get um, one situation, change the parameters, create a new, and that basically just creates a new work unit. So yeah, if you can get as many n-body uh, projects as you want, you just say, oh, n-body with this many bodies, n-body with this many bodies, n-body with this many bodies, and whatever configuration. So it is a really, uh, a, a space projects are typically a good one for Boink because they have lots of data to crunch. And usually they have lots of different situations, which means that they can cut up and make different work units. So last question I've got for you. 
Are you saying there would be a way to make a Boink project that gets the dust off my Milky Way when I drop it? Heyo! I'm out of here. I'll see y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get out of here. <laughs> no, this is really uh, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for bringing this in. Yeah, no worries. Um, have a good one, everyone. And next time, when we come back, I'm going to do Einstein at Home. So we're going to continue the space theme, and I'm going to talk about LIGO.